Hello, and welcome to A Path to Redemption Podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer, because once again, I truly believe things are wrapping up. If you're not watching the news, if you're not watching about what's going on internationally, then you know it, the chess pieces are being moved. The table's kind of being set for the the coming return of Christ, and ultimately, frankly, the, the rise of the Antichrist system, and when I talk about the return of Christ, I, I really mean the rapture, and and because the coming of the the second coming of the Lord is is going to be it's it's a dreadful day, it's a dark day, it's a dreadful day as it as the prophets kind of talk about. But at the end of the day, though, we have a, the hope, and I hope that all of us and everyone hearing can be counted worthy to escape those what's coming and and ultimately be presented between the before the Son of Man. I, I really hope that. But we're going to continue on with our series here, um, talking about as it was in the days of Noah, and we're ramping up to Noah. We're ramping up into iniquity, right? And last time we talked about the differences between Cain and Abel, the picture of Abel being kind of a figure of Christ, and Cain that of self-righteousness, and, and some of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and ultimately what led up to the murder of Cain. We talked about how they were incredibly different people. We talked about how um, how ultimately Cain was the, the fullness of that iniquity from Adam, uh, and Abel was the fullness of the desire of the things of God, really, from Adam and how the the separation of man was created, the the two different parts of man, iniquity, and which is the fullness of self indulgence, and then also a desire to be reconciled back to God, and they constantly fight between each other, and that's what you see even today, right? We have a constant fight, we have a constant flesh that wants self indulgence, that wants to go a certain way, but for those of us that are saved, we have part of us that want to always be reconciled to Christ and want to seek His ways and do that, and the only way to have that change happen is for us to ultimately you know become one with Christ to allow our flesh to die and all the things I've kind of talked about through this podcast. So this week we're going to continue on and we're going to look at how the Lord responds um, to Cain. We're going to look at how Cain responds, what the punishment was, and a few other things as well. But before we get there, let's go ahead and uh, just some housekeeping items. All of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you want a copy of a New King James Bible, please feel free to give me uh, drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. More than happy to get one into your hands. Also, my book, Grace Abounds, is out. If you like a copy of that, all you have to do is drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. Again, more them happy to put one into your hands. And then finally, do not take my word for any of this, because at the end of the day, you've got to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman worthy of your hire. You've got to be the one fostering your relationship. You're not going to make it in through the rapture or to heaven ultimately on on my coattails. It's going to be based upon your own personal relationship. And and we all have to answer for how we respond and what we did with, with Christ, frankly. So you make sure that you're doing your own work and that you're studying to show yourself approved as well. So as we kind of get into this, we're going to start in Genesis 4 verse uh, or chat verse 9 starting starting at verse 9 and going through verse 15. And this is what the Bible says. It says, "Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother?" He said, "I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper?" And he said, "What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand." When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. 
And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So let's first kind of take a look at, at God's reaction. We know that God knew that Cain had killed Abel at this point. But just as he did with Adam, what does he do? He asks the question. He says to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? See, God already knows that Cain had killed him. God already knows exactly what happened, but yet he still asked the question, why? Because he is showing the same grace that he showed Adam to Cain. He asked Cain where his brother was. God, once again, giving Cain the opportunity to repent and turn back to him. But look at how Cain responds. He says, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? While God was trying to give Cain a chance, But instead, he lies to God and then responds sarcastically. And this is what the book of Jasher says in in Jasher 1, 26 through 29. And again, we would not consider the book of Jasher canon. We would not consider it inspired by God, but just an equivalent history book to give a little bit more context into what the scripture says. And and this is what it says. It says, And after this, Cain repented having slain his brother, and he was sadly grieved, and he wept over him, and it vexed him exceedingly. And Cain rose up and dug a hole in the field, wherein he put his brother's body, and he turned the dust over it. And the Lord knew what Cain had done to his brother, and the Lord appeared to Cain and said unto him, Where is Abel thy brother that was with thee? And Cain disassembled and said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And how often do we do this when we make mistakes before God? We try to bury them in different aspects of our lives, and we ultimately try to hide them from God the same way that Cain was trying to hide Abel's body. But what we don't understand is that our actions are seen before God. Our actions cannot be hidden from God. God knows all things. But ultimately, this is how iniquity grows. It's hidden and buried in darkness. You know, the light, only when the light of God in Christ is shown can on it, can it really truly be dealt with, right? I mean, even David said, you know, Lord, forgive me of my secret sins. Now, why would he say that if he didn't know that he had hidden things and iniquities that were buried? But if you notice, at no time in scripture or Jasher, did Cain actually admit to what he did? He would not actually say, yes, I killed my brother. Even as we walk through the rest of it and God begins to deal with the punishment that's going with this, he still doesn't admit what he did. Because if you admit what you did, then you can actually have repentance. But unfortunately, iniquity and pride and self-righteousness will not allow him to do this, right? So as I said last week, there were two people created in Adam and Eve. Cain is the fullness of that iniquity, and Abel is the fullness of of that desire to be reconciled to God, that righteousness. So what does God do after Cain responds in this manner? So God allow basically follows the same pattern that he did with Adam and Eve, but he curses him further that the ground will no longer bring fruit. So Cain will no longer be able to bear fruit without the fruit. He is no better than those thorns and those thistles that don't bring forth fruit. So I want you to think about that, right? So cursed is the ground again for Cain's sake and that it wouldn't be able to yield up and create food for him. If we're not bearing fruit, then what good are we? And Cain here can't bear anything. He can't bring anything up from the ground because the ground has been additionally cursed on his behalf because of what he did to Abel. So again, he becomes like a weed and a thorn and a thistle in the side of mankind. And we're going to see how that will grow even further as we kind of go forward here. So 
ultimately, you know, he's taken out of the provision and will be subject to others since he won't be able to grow his own fruit, which is why he's a vagabond on the earth. Now, why is that important? If you can't grow your own fruit, you've got to depend on other people. And if you have to depend on other people, that means you're not self-sustaining. And let's not forget what Cain's um, meant. Cain's name meant. It meant to get, right? It's about getting. And we're going to talk about that from the book of Josephus of how that actually plays out. You see, what another thing that I find very interesting here, though, is that God does not require Cain's blood. God does not require Cain's life due to the death of evil, death of Abel. He shows Cain grace despite everything that he did. And God would have been more than just in his nature to require Cain's life. But knowing that Cain's soul was gone already, he wanted the fullness of this iniquity to be addressed. And he wanted the fullness of this iniquity to really go forward, right? So, he hid Abel's body in the ground. Abel's the voice of his brother's blood, brother's blood cries out to him, to God, from the ground, and he's cursed, ultimately to be a fugitive and a vagabond through all the earth. Right. So after this, again, let's see how Cain responds. Again, he is more worried about his own life than his brother's. He responds with the this punishment is too much to bear. How often do we do this as well? We're not concerned about what we did or how it affects others, but we are more concerned about the repercussions of the things that we did. See, as you kind of overlay this around our lives, we can see ourselves following in the path of Cain. We can see ourselves following in that path and how iniquity plays even into our everyday life. Because if we if we are more concerned about the repercussions of the things we did versus how it actually affected people or what it did to other people, we're no better than Cain at that point. We're self-righteous, we're full of iniquity, and we're so focused on self that we cannot see the work that God is trying to do in our lives. So then ultimately what happens is that God marks Cain, and he was marked due to his iniquity. This is no different than the mark of the beast. As I told you before, the, the, the very end of Revelation is very similar to the beginning of Genesis. And the mark here is very similar. It's what allowed Cain to be protected throughout the world so that he would not be killed. The mark of the beast is the same thing. Once that, that system is up and running, it will cause man to be able to go throughout the world, to be able to travel, to be able to eat and drink, buy and sell, and ultimately with that mark, but it also will cause that man to lose their soul, just as Cain did. Cain lost his soul, but ultimately was able to walk across the world without being punished and without being murdered. See, the Bible then goes in to, to discuss Cain's family, which is a family of iniquity. And this part is incredibly important because in Genesis 4, 16 through 24, it says this, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begot Mahujael, and Mahujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabel, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tubalcane, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubalcane was Naamah. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. 
For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. So as we kind of look through this, we see here that Cain left the presence of the Lord. See, there's no record of Cain ever being back in the presence of the Lord. And outside the presence of God, there is no way for us to prosper, and iniquity is all that is left. Outside the presence of the Lord, there's no redemption. There's no there's no coming back to him. There's no draw of the Holy Spirit, if you will. So by leaving the presence of the Lord... Cain basically gave up and allowed iniquity to take over him. He dwelt in Nod, which this is an area that he wandered. There's no rest in our iniquity. There's no purpose. Even, even God, as he cursed him, said that he would be a vagabond. Why? Because in our own iniquity, there's no rest. There's no purpose. It's all about self-indulgence. There's only rest and purpose in Christ. And outside of the presence of the Lord, outside the purpose of Christ, there is no way for any of us to prosper and for us to really feel the rest that God has for us. Why? Because we're trying to do everything in our own strength and in all that we are when we know that it is Christ and it is the, the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit that rules everything. And everything we walk through and everything we do is therefore rooted and grounded in him. This is what Jasher 1, 33 through 36 says. And at that time, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord from the place where he was, and he went moving and wandering in a land toward the east of Eden, he and all belonging to him. And Cain knew his wife in those days, and she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Enoch, saying, in that time that the Lord began to give him rest and quiet in the earth. And at that time, Cain also began to build a city. And he built the city, and he called the name of the city Enoch, according to the name of his son. For in those days the Lord had given them rest upon the earth. And he did not move about and wander as in the beginning. And Irad was born to Enoch, and Irad begat Methuel, and Methuel begat Methusael. So, you see, towards the end of his life, What does Cain do? And while he finds rest and he stops wandering, but he accepts his place outside the presence of the Lord. And that is never a good place to be. If you want to see another picture of this, go to Romans chapter 1, where God says he turns them over to a reprobate mind. Because ultimately you take your and you accept your place in that iniquity, and that's what you do. Right? Josephus gives us more context in his Antiquities of the Jews, book 1, chapter 2, starting at verse 2. And it says, And when Cain traveled over many countries, he with his wife built a city named Nod, which is a place so called, and there he settled his abode, where also he had children. However, he did not accept of his punishment in order to amendment, but to increase his wickedness, for he only aimed to procure everything that was for his own bodily pleasure, though it obliged him to be injurious to his neighbors. He augmented his household substance with much wealth by raping and violence. He excited his acquaintance to procure pleasures and spoils by robbery and became a great leader of men into wicked courses. He also introduced a change in that way of simplicity wherein men lived before and was the author of measures and weights. And whereas they lived innocently and generously while they knew nothing of such arts, he changed the world into cunning craftiness. He first of all set boundaries about the lands, he built a city and fortified it with walls, and he compelled his family to come together to it. And he called that city Enoch, after the name of his eldest son Enoch. Now Jared was the son of Enoch, whose son was Meliel, whose son was Methusael, whose son was Lamech, who had seventy-seven children by two wives, Scylla and Ada. Of those children by Ada, one was Jabel, he erected tents, and loved the life of a shepherd. 
But Jabel, who was born of the same mother with him, exercised himself in music and invented the psaltery and the harp. But Tubal, one of his children by the other wife, exceeded all men in strength and was very expert and famous in martial performances. He procured what tended to the pleasures of the body by that method, and the first of all invented the art of making brass. Lamech was also the father of a daughter whose name was Naama, and because he was so skillful in matters of divine revelation that he knew he was to be punished for Cain's murder of his brother, he made that known to his wives. Nay, even while Adam was alive, it came to pass that the posterity of Cain became exceeding wicked, everyone successively dying one after another more wicked than the former. They were intolerable in war and vehement in robberies, and if anyone were slow to murder people, yet was he bold in his profligate behavior in acting unjustly and doing injuries for gain. So here Josephus basically lays out that that the wickedness grew in iniquity from generation to generation to generation, right? And you can see that that iniquity flew through that every single generation and brought more and more wickedness. You know, if we're to believe this, now I want you to think about this here too, and the Bible really kind of kind of sets this out as well. And I think it's important for us to understand how what this means. It says, and Cain knew his wife in Genesis 4, verse 17. It says, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after his son, Enoch. Now, why is that important? It's important because this is the first time that man separated himself by building a city. Whether it's Jasher, whether it's it's Josephus, we see walls were built. We see that all of these other things kind of happened while Adam and Eve were were living out on the land and doing the things that God had wanted them to do at this point. Well, at the end of the day, you know, it was Cain who started building a city, who fortified the walls and separated himself from the rest of humanity. Because while Cain's lineage was going down, so was the the lineage of Seth and the and all and all of that people the people that came from Seth, right? Because keep in mind, while the scripture lists all the different people that were born and what the lineage was, they also had brothers and sisters and and as and they just continued to grow and continue to grow and to continue to grow. But the lineage of Cain is a picture of the iniquity and how it goes from generation to generation to generation, each one being more evil than the one before it. Now, if you continue to go here, despite all of this, there is still a ray of hope in Seth where the posterity of righteousness will fall. Again, continuing on in Genesis, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also was born a son, and he named him Enosh. The men began to call on the name of the Lord. You know, we have got to understand that even in this last times, and even in the times, again, as it was in the days of Noah, there, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, that there are two different lines of people that are walking here. We can have fall the lineage of Cain, which is the fullness of iniquity, the fullness of self-indulgence, the fullness of self-righteousness, pride, anything goes. There is no, no absolute moral code. There is no right and wrong. Whatever you feel like you should do is what's right. Um, or 
I should say or, but and there is a lineage of Seth who is based upon righteousness, who is tied to a relationship with God, who wants to be with God and wants to do the work of God, right? No matter what happens. Now, here's the other thing I would say is that there's a picture of Cain before the murder of Abel and there's a there's a Cain after the murder of Abel, right? So even if you divide that, while Cain worshiped God, he worshiped it according to his own hands, right? And according to the growth that he did. So you're really looking at three different types of people. You have the Abel lineage, or the I should say the lineage of Seth that's going to, going to come down, but the people that are like Abel who want to be with God, who want to worship God in in uh, in in the spirit and in truth, they want to to ultimately see the fulfillment of all the things that God has for the world and for people. They want to see people saved. They are locked in. They are all in on God, and they are fully fully committed to His work. Now, then you'll have a Cain before the murder of Abel, which is what a self righteous group that still worships the worships God, but isn't really willing to to do what God wants. They want to be glorified in themselves. They want to kind of do what they want to do, overlay God on top of it, go about their daily lives, you know, bring up the fruit of their own hands, take credit for all those things, and then try and overlay God on top of it by bringing a sacrifice of their own hands and of their own work. Basically, like going to church is a sacrifice because of my time, not necessarily something you do because you want to or because you feel an obligation to because of your relationship with God. And getting in with a body is a sacrifice they're not willing to make. So you kind of have this self-righteous religious group kind of in the middle. Right. And then you have ultimately the Cain after the murder of Abel, which is complete self-indulgence, complete, you know, anything goes, anything you want to do, do it. There is no, there's no right and wrong. There's no anything. It's whatever you want to do. Right. And we see that playing out right now. If you go again, and we talked about this, the church of Laodicea, about how, how part of that is that Christ is on the outside knocking, trying to get in. Right. This is that kind of middle crowd that Christ is dealing with. But there's a remnant that's still here that wants to stay close to God, that wants to stay close to Christ, that wants to be there. Because at the end of the day, if we're not, then then Christ, we're going to end up just like Cain did, or end up cast out because he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold rather than lukewarm, because he will spew us out of his mouth. And those middle ones are lukewarm Christians, frankly. They don't want to give it all to God. They want to just continue with their flesh, and they're going to fall into the boat of Cain, right? And then you see, obviously, the if you just look at the news, you can see the self-indulgence, the flesh, between the murders, between the 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 LGBTQ stuff, between a lot of this all just self-indulgence type of things that are happening. So understanding all of that, we can see the religious side, we can see the 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 self-indulgence side, and then we can see the truly righteous side here of mankind. And ultimately, that's what we're dealing with, right? That's what God is dealing with. And it's up to all of us to make sure that we are sold out, that we are as ables here in this world, um, and that we have of the lineage of righteousness in ourselves, but not a righteousness that comes from us, but a righteousness that only comes from Jesus Christ. And the only way to do that is to, is to know him, to have a relationship with him, to worship him, to praise him, to pray, to, to read your scripture, to really dive in and understand what is going on and what God has for each one of us so that we can ultimately 
personally fulfill our own calling in him. Amen. Look, I hope you got something out of this. I I hope it's helpful as we're talking about the lineage of of Cain, because it really is a lineage of iniquity. And we're going to talk more um, next week as we kind of go into Genesis chapter five and start talking about each individual and the 10 and in the 10 generations all the way to Noah um, before we get there. And then when we get to Genesis chapter six, we're going to spend a lot of time in Genesis chapter six because it is important. It is incredibly important for what we have going on right now. But look, if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a note at path to redemption, Ohio at gmail.com. I am more than happy to help, but until next time, Time. Again, just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless. <laughs>